This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Tuesday, it's the 25th of July, 2023. Coming up today, more of your feedback, plus the advocates who made Siri more accessible. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you today? I am glorious, thank you, Stephen Scott. I'm so excited by that story. I know I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it, but this upcoming story about someone changing Apple is amazing. I love this. Yeah, and not for the first time, I should add. Uh, we're talking here about Colin Hughes. Now, he's been on the show with us a number of times, and Colin is becoming very well-known in our community for advocating in a really positive way and really making a difference when it yeah. comes to some of the challenges that we face as disabled people. And this is kind of the, the cool thing about all this, because, you know, one of the, the, the interesting things here, of course, Colin is not blind, I should say that. Uh, he does have muscular dystrophy. So his accessibility requirements, if you like, are different to ours. However, there are many times when paths cross across disability, right? So, you know, in his case, he's having issues where he wants to use his AirPods to do something. So, for example, make a call on his iPhone, and that's because it's easier for him to use the Siri command to wake up the device and, you know, just, just say make a call or send a text or do whatever it is. And then he gets that dreaded message that we all have gotten used to, <laughs> which is you need to unlock your iPhone first. Mm-hmm. So frustrating. Yes. Why? Yeah. Now, the phone's in my bag in my case, and in his case, it might be in his bag or next to him on the table, and he has real issues with the physical side of it, so he wants to use his voice to do all this. Why can't he? And that's a problem. Now, he has been advocating on this issue for a while, and later we're going to hear from him. I spoke to him yesterday, and uh, we'll play in that interview a bit later, but um, he's done some great work here, and he's actually managed to achieve something which I think is really important which is that he's enabled or made it possible, I guess, through working with Apple to uh, to get Siri to be authenticated using your AirPods, meaning that now when you use your AirPods, it will recognize you're wearing your AirPods and it will use that to authenticate so you no longer get that you need to unlock your iPhone first. Nonsense. <laughs> Before glorious. Uh, uh, honestly, well done, Colin. Yeah, definitely. An absolute, that is a well-deserved applause. Not like, the, you know, all the other times you use it. Yes, uh, this, I think that's the first time it's been actually, actually valuable. <laughs> <laughs> but it just shows, right? Because, and look, again, this wasn't a quick phone call and there we go, it's fixed. This has took some time to get Years. get done. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not, and not just on this topic, I mean, on lots of different things, but yeah, yeah the, you're right. I mean, and, and that's the whole point about this, right, is that the advocacy can take time and it can take a long time and it can also take a long time to really move anywhere. But when it does, it, it can make a difference. And this is a very small thing in the grand scheme of iOS 17. And I should say this is coming up in iOS 17. It's not going to be available immediately. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that you know, this is going to be made available. It's a very small thing in the grand scheme, but hugely, hugely impactful on us. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great thing. So I, I was very impressed by that, and I'm so pleased that Colin, once again, is coming on to talk about it. Uh, he's been featured quite a bit. If you uh, follow 9to5Mac, you'll find a number of Colin's stories in there, because you have to say, some of these mainstream publications are starting to really take on board 
the disability angle in stories. I see this from The Verge. I see this from 9to5Mac. And I call these guys out specifically because it's about time some of these mainstream media publications that a lot of people read, you know, millions of people read, yes, get the accessible viewpoint, but not from the point of view of a sighted or non-disabled <laughs> member of staff. Someone speaking for it. I did notice, yeah. I think you were featured, Stephen, in a story I read as well. Well, I, I didn't want to say. Uh, well, uh, you know, yeah. I did notice your name, of course. I, after I, you, you know, tweeted about it and then uh, sent me the message and then <laughs> rang me up and told me you were on there. Uh, no, you never. I'm making that up. But uh, yeah, I mean, it is exciting, right? Because it used to always be if any mainstream tech featured any accessibility story, I think it used to be just iMore back yes, in the day. That's right. And they, they were actually quite good at that. But when you do see it across other mainstream platforms, it just seems so strange to say mainstream. But no, yeah, it, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah it's it exciting to see that, you know, and it shouldn't be like that. It should just be like every other story, really. Well, I mean, here in the UK, cool. and I don't, I don't know if this is worldwide or not, we, we have um, T3 magazine, which I don't know if you know if that's still going. Um, but, you know, T3, you know, was a publication. I used to buy it all the time. And it's funny, I used to buy it. I couldn't read it. But I, I, <laughs> and it, it, was one of those, it was one of those magazines, right? It always had uh, a lady, shall we say, on the front oh. cover. And she oh, would be I see. covered in technology. Oh. Now, I have to say, uh, my mother came into the room and she uh, saw this magazine sitting on my coffee table. Uh, yes, in my coffee table. I, I was born at 75, right? I had wow. a smoking jacket uh, when I came out of the womb. I had everything. Um, but yes, uh, I was sitting on my little coffee table in my little room in my uh, wing of my house. <laughs> really not selling this as some kind of poor background, am I? Um, but anyway, she came into the room and she saw the, the magazine sitting there. She picked it up and she said, what, what is this filth? What is this filth? It's technology, mother. And well, I said, I said, what are you talking about? She said, look at this, this scantily clad woman yeah. standing. And I said, yeah, but look at that camera. That's an EOS 50D round her neck. Come on. I only read it for the articles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I actually did. I, wasn't really, I almost had to look again. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's nice. I didn't yeah. notice. wasn't really looking at her, to be honest. Sorry. We believe you, Stephen. <laughs> I wasn't. I Listen, if you know me well enough, and then most people who know me will be like, yeah, he was not looking at the women. He was looking at the tech. Uh, look at that Logitech keyboard. Yeah, look exactly. At the insert keys on that. <laughs> yes, we know, Stephen. Oh, I tell you. Well, um, we're going to talk to Colin a bit oh. later. Uh, looking forward to that. Colin Hughes coming up. Uh, but before that, I thought we would uh, delve into iOS 17 a little bit because, you know, mentioning that, oh. that one feature that's coming. But I, I say delve in. I've downloaded the beta, as have you. Mm-hmm. Yes. I followed you. Yes, I actually did something you did. I am stunned by this, actually, uh, but I did the same thing you did. Breaking news. Yes. Breaking news. Thanks Thanks for coming in so quick there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I put the beta uh, on my main iPhone. Oh, well, you're an idiot. You're an absolute fool. I know fool. that. Yes, yeah, I, know. I did exactly the same. And I did it from developer build zero which was absolutely ridiculous yeah, because it's, it's not always <laughs> yeah, so I've got no devices now running <laughs> iOS 16 which is crazy but um I must say in the last update it is which I believe it's public now isn't it oh, I believe it should be I would have thought yeah maybe it's August is in August it goes public mm, yeah maybe I don't know you'd have to check on that but the last build actually is a lot more stable still problems in it don't don't rush off and do it. Please don't do that. Yeah, but, well, but what issues? What are we talking about? Because honestly, I I have found my iPhone, I've got 13 mini that I use yes. every day. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it was so funny. My mother-in-law was over. And she knows I like my tech. And she says to me, why are you using this? This phone's rubbish. Why have you not got a modern <laughs> iPhone? Like, oh, wow. Am I getting tech shamed by my mother-in-law? <laughs> yes, what is yes. going on here? Uh, but I use the iPhone 13 mini because quite simply, I love the size of it. I just mm-hmm. don't need the screen. So, you know, as much as I, I, I do have an iPhone 14 Pro, I know. Why am I using <laughs> 13 why? mini? But I, I just am. I'm just using my 13 mini. I find it much better when I'm out and about. I just enjoy the size of it. But don't you hate the battery life on these minis? Honestly, I have no issue with the battery. Oh, right. You're ridiculous. So you carry mind, around 12 chargers no, all the time. No, I, I am barely at the house. That's the bottom uh, yeah, line. True. Yes. So when I am out the house, I'm out for a day. And I always have my charger with me, my little Mophie 3-in-1 charger. Brilliant little thing. It's, you've seen it. You had, you had your hands on it. You're grubby. I have. I had to yes. scrub it after that. Um, but yeah, you, you uh, open it up. It's Thanks. got this weird kind of material to it. Yeah, it's gross. It is weird. It's and, like uh, suede or something. Yeah. It's weird. And you've got a, a pad for a MagSafe charging pad, so it sticks onto that, which I love. You've then got a bit in the middle for your AirPods, which they always fall off, even though it's got a little groove that you can sit the AirPods in. As soon as you touch oh. the thing, they fall off. Yes. And uh, the, AirPo- the um, Apple Watch yeah. charger bit is in there as well. I All found it's a USB. It's lovely. That's gorgeous. And what I'm about to say is has no relevance and no interest to anyone, but I'm going to say it anyway. I found a, a you know, the Belkin Boost Pro MagSafe yeah. version, right? Mm. £130, I think I paid for it. It's a, an expensive MagSafe charger. You yeah. can charge your Apple Watch, you can charge your iPhone, and you can charge your, well, it's just a, a Qi charger underneath, so you could charge anything, basically, but your AirPods... Really, really nice. I found a alternative, which is virtually the same, and it cost me £35. Hang on. And right, it okay, is look. so good. Now, no, the no, problem is... No, what? Uh, I'm what? sorry. I'm going to have to intervene on this one. But what? Intervention time here. Are you going to tell me yes. this is from some no-name brand? <laughs> yes. The problem being, I can't tell anyone or recommend it because all it says in Amazon is a um, MagSafe charging stand. There's no name I can find to it. Well, there will be, but if you see it, you'll be cancelled. Can I even say it? (laughs) But no, honestly, it's so good. And it's powered by USB-C, which means the Belkin one has got its own little, you know, uh, nine-barrel pin plug, power plug, and it's a set size. This other one is powered by USB-C, so I can get any length cable I want and put it wherever I want. And it's high-speed, 20-watt charging, uh, it's absolutely fantastic, and a quarter of the price. It is so cool, but I can't tell anyone what it is because it doesn't say it. But I am going to try and dig into and, and find a name for it because I'm so impressed. There, okay, sorry. so uh, I'm going to tell you my story on this. Yes. I did exactly the same thing as you. Right. I bought the cheap version, the no mark, no name, yes, no quality production no, version. No, it's quality, this. No. Well. It feels no. nice. It's made of plastic rather oh, than yeah. metal. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But it's oh, very yeah. nice. Brilliant, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what I'm going to suggest, how long have you had this? Uh, two weeks, maybe. Okay. So you've got a week to go before it either starts <laughs> burning in front of you or falling to bits. Well, we will see. I don't see how this can fall to bits. It is glorious. And it's got a blue LED going around the base, which oh, is well, uh, which case. is just <laughs> glorious. I absolutely case, love heavenly. it. Oh, it's really good. No, no, look. No, my wife I, came in. She said to me, what's yes. this stuck on the back of my phone? And I picked God. off this thing that had melted onto ah. the back of her phone case. 
Yeah. And I realized it was the, the bit, you know, when you stick the iPhone to the MagSafe charger. The actual MagSafe pad, if the you actual, will, the circle. The, the, yes. the plastic that covered it, clearly, uh, had heated up and come off. How much did you pay for this one? $30. $30? Well, okay. say $40, maybe 30 quid, something like that, but $40. Uh, all right. Okay. And uh, yeah, all it right. was, it was, yeah, I, I just can't recommend them. I think the one I would recommend, I if you want to, if you want to cheap it up, if you want to cheap it up. Yes, I do. I know you do. So do you know me? What, yeah, exactly. Anchor. A-N-K-E-R. Ah. That is the way to go because they do, I think, really high quality products for, I a, agree. for a much better price. Uh, oh, I agree. But see, I was looking at the Anchor ones. Again, I love the stand form factor mm-hmm. of these. I really... Because usually you get a cradle or you get... What is the, the deal with these foldable Velcro material case charging things, which you got sort of origami up and, and set up every time? They're terrible. I hate... You've got some of them, I know. I hate those. Um, I used I like, to invest in an origami company, but it folded. I hate those. Please don't play the sound effect. I hate those. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> where I was going with it. Anyway, this stand <laughs> is very, very cool. I bought two, three of them I bought, and they are very nice. But you're absolutely right. I, I did, uh, I would usually always say, when it comes to chargers, don't cheap out. But at the same yeah, time... exactly, I think, Sean. Don't cheap I, out. Because well, I have look, to ask I'm you two questions. It, it seems absolutely fine. There's been no heat issues whatsoever. I have uh-huh. checked it out. Uh-huh. Uh, I've got two questions for you. Do you, uh, do you like your house? And secondly, do you have insurance? That's all you need to know. (laughs) Because your house will burn to the ground. Well, you know what? I'm doing the testing. I'm taking the chances here, so I will let you know how I get on. How your house remains intact forever amazes me. I know the the setup you've got at home. Plugs plugged into plugs, plugged into plugs. I have, yes. I am amazed that it remains unburnt. What can I say? Um, What was I saying? Oh, no, the anchor one. That was the thing. See, a lot of these you get, the Apple Watch, you've got to supply the, own, the old MagSafe charger for the Apple Watch. It's not built in. I hate that. What's the point in that? Sorry. Um, okay, that was my rant. Where were okay. we going? iOS 17. Let's yeah, get well, back on track. That's another thing you have to be careful of, because I was in the Apple store, and I, I did once spend 40 quid, so say $50, $60, on a, 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 exactly that, an Apple charging stand, a MagSafe charging stand. Got it home, yep. opened it up, and there was no charger in it. No, exactly. It was and just there's a, a lot holder. that do that. It yeah. was a stand for a charger. I'm like, I've got to provide the cable now. <laughs> yes. Are you kidding me? I, I, that makes no sense to me. But then again, last time I ever bought a bed and it came without a mattress, it blew my mind. What? You've got to buy the mattress separate. It's the same thing. Okay, you can't you're, have you're a bed a without idiot. a mattress. We're moving on. You're a complete idiot. <sighs> Sorry. You know, what do you think happens with these? Honestly. Well, well, when look, you buy a bed, rid- you can't use all- it without a mattress, can you? So just, why would you I'll not you, get a mattress with it? You have to worry it. about it now because you will have a mattress soon because it will be in flames right, when your you. charger bursts into flames in front of you. I will let you know the name once it's, um, <laughs> if I survive. Thank you. <laughs> it's very you good. Survive. I'm hoping you survive. I'm, I'm not wishing anything here. I'm just telling you what is going to Jinx. happen. Okay. All right. You're okay. all going to go out for a lovely Sunday walk. You're going to come back. You'll smell a roast and it will be your house. <laughs> Yes, be careful with your chargers. Always. Don't buy the cheap no-names. And it's just, sometimes you feel those plugs that you're plugged into and they are so warm and you think, nah. and you know, I've heard so many horror stories of just pop and these things explode. Oh, I never use the plug that comes with it. I yeah, will say that. I never do that. so careful with that. Yes. Um, but no, the Belkins, I have to say the Belkins are probably the safest ones I've ever had until next week when there's a story. But no, so far, so good. <laughs> 
They uh, are very, very good. I love them. Yeah. But they are just but they're so really expensive. expensive. Yeah. yeah. Hey, listen, I'd rather pay <sighs> a little bit more and have a house tomorrow. Well, we'll see. You know. Yeah. I'm a little bit picky. I know. A little bit I've snobbish. Got, I've got a shed. I'm all right. <laughs> well, that's fine. You I've can got just live in to there. Leave. Um, <laughs> right. Let's get to some emails. Uh, Janine wants to talk to us about her prime day woes. Uh, Laura reads her emails. Hi, Stephen and Sean. First off, my condolences, Stephen, on the loss of your dog. You're right. It's never easy losing any member of the family. Thanks, Janine. Now, let me tell you about my prime day frustrations. I had several small items I wanted to get during Prime Day, slash days, still confused about that one. So I fired up the Amazon app on my iPhone 14 Pro running iOS 16.5.1. What could possibly go wrong? I knew sort of what I wanted, but needed to look through the various makes and models. I put what I thought was a good string of terms into the search box and away I went. The only problem was that I got through maybe three or four products just swiping either right to see the prices and ratings or down using the headings and voiceover focus would say something like screen curtain on. Jump all the way back to the first page of results and to the top of that page on the back button. What? After about five or so tries, I finally just called an IRA agent and worked with her to find what I needed. I described what I was looking for and she read various item descriptions, prices, etc. When I found the one I wanted, she sent the link to me via email as I wasn't ready to grab it yet from the file sharing part of the IRA app. Later, I simply went to the email and began clicking on links and adding things to my cart. Yay! It seems that Amazon and Facebook exhibit the most difficulty with this VO focus problem. It happens on both my 14 Pro and 12 Pro, running the public and beta versions of iOS 16 respectively. My friend is having similar issues and Apple encouraged her to send them a screen recording. Sadly, the size of that recording isn't suitable for an email, so she's having to do this another way. I'd try the screen recording only if it didn't record me cursing profusely every time this focus issue occurred. Yeah. That's my grumpy Janine rant for the day. From Janine, who had better just stay silent for a while. Oh, not at all, (laughs) Janine, not at all. Uh, Yeah, this this is becoming a common problem across apps, and it's not... I don't know if this Mm -hmm. is an iOS thing, or it's... uh, Oh, it definitely is. Well, you know, it seems to be on specific apps, though, right? It seems to be more profound on specific apps, but, I mean, it's their... Throughout, I mean, if you're just on the home screen and you're moving around, you don't tend to notice it too much. But I have had it just jump back to the top of the first item on the screen a couple of times. Yeah, um, yeah. it's a definite issue. Yeah, it's so annoying. And I have to say that whole thing about buying online, you know, it's I just get so nervous buying stuff. I used to do this all the time. I would turn the screen curtain off, especially recently, turn the screen curtain off, try and peer at the screen to see what I was buying. Because in my head, if I could see it, of course I can't, but if I could see it, then I would be, you know, knowing what I'm buying. Of course, inevitably, I'd buy something and it was the wrong size. Yes. You know, so I'd buy a bookcase and it would turn out to be for a dollhouse, you know, that yes. kind of thing. You know, if you don't, <laughs> the, the key is to listen to the description. I think that's the one thing oh, yeah, that, that you'll learn. There's so much on there, right? Oh, and there Amazon's is. a really good example of that, especially, I've noticed this with the deals section as well, because that's where I usually go. Um <laughs> Now the navigation by headings to go through the deals, it, it's really hit and miss. It's terrible, in fact. The way that I do it is I change the rotor setting to navigate by image, and then it will give you the it will jump to the next image in the list. But even then, it doesn't seem to be in a particularly good order, and it, it's just a bit of a mess at the moment. I totally agree. Okay, let's go to Darren, who's in Northern Ireland. He wants to ask us some questions. Hi to all on the Double Tap team. Could I be so bold as to ask for a couple of product demonstrations, please? 
Specifically, is there a tapper out there who would be willing to put together a short demo of the Orbit Writer? We've all heard plenty about the Hable 1, but I'd also like to hear some thoughts on the Orbit device. I'm in the market for one or other at the minute and have yet to come across anyone giving an overview of the Orbit offering. Also, is there any chance that Sean could provide a quick segment on getting up and running with Apple Pay? I've never made use of the facility and would appreciate a straightforward introduction to the system. Darren, from a very wet and miserable Northern Ireland. Oof. I know that <laughs> feeling. Yeah, I live in Scotland, Darren, so don't you worry. I sympathise. Oh, over to you. Pay. Apple yeah. Pay. Um, it's definitely doable. The, the tricky thing with doing a demo of Apple Pay is actually doing it in in process, in actually using it in a shop or something. It's actually quite tricky to record that happening. But, I mean, the actual setup of it, what, what cards are supported, again, it depends which country you're in around the world. Uh, depends which cards you actually support Apple Pay. But actually the setup and the uh, the way you activate it is really easy. So, yeah, I, I can do something with that. And I'll try and figure out a way if I can demonstrate actually using Apple Pay in a store. And on the point about the Orbit Writer, now, interestingly, we mentioned this yesterday. I, I'd mentioned that someone had written in about this, and Darren, it was you. Uh, and after mentioning it on yesterday's show, we've already had someone get in touch. Uh giving us their uh, written perspectives on the Orbit Writer. So, oh, so Laura good. will read that for us and we will get that on the air soon because that is uh, quite exciting, actually, to, to learn more about the Orbit Writer. Because, yeah, you're right, Darren. I, I haven't heard a lot about it. Nope. So, and it seems to me in some ways like it would have been the better choice between the two. But I don't know. I honestly don't know because I've never had – I've had hands on the Orbit Reader. And I'm guessing it's just that without the display. So in terms of the keyboard, you know, the mm. only thing I would say is the buttons are a little bit tough. Well, weirdly, the cursor keys are a little bit tougher, but the actual um, the Perkins keys are actually quite soft. So it's an interesting keyboard to use. It's a, um, from a price point of view, I'm very interested. I think, is, the, is that the cheapest? Yeah, well, what, what, what is the, I think the Hable one's something like 300, 320, thereabouts dollars. It's, it's, it kind of moves yeah, around a depends. bit at this yeah. time of year. Um and then the Orbit Writer is what ninety nine dollars. Yeah, now that's exactly. US, but you know even so, it's still cheaper. So you would think it's it's direct significantly competition. so. Yeah. yeah. So I'm interested to know what uh, our listener thinks on that one because uh, they do have the Orbit Writer. So that'll be interesting. And if anyone um, wants to come on air and fight out with a Hable user and a uh, Sense player user, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, still going to make that out on air. Why not? <laughs> uh, okay, let's go to Alan, who's in Hereford. He wants to talk about Site Village. Hi, Stephen, Sean and Laura. I hope you are all well. I went to the Site Village exhibition on Tuesday. It was a shame that you and Sean could not make it to Site Village. I was looking to meet with you and Sean, if you had been at Site Village. I got to feel several products, such as Envision Glasses, Blind Shell 2 Classic, the Sense Player and the Victorita Stream 3 and many other products. I liked the feel of the Sense Player and I'm seriously thinking of buying the Sense Player later this year. I thought that the Envision glasses were a bit off-putting, with the very thin left arm side and the larger right arm side with the camera and the controls. They could have had the camera and controls on both sides to balance up the glasses. The left side arm seems to be very thin and might probably break if you're not careful on how you keep and use the glasses. I'm looking forward to when Celeste brings out their glasses they're a lot cheaper than the Envision glasses. The Celeste glasses are going to be about $700, and if they include Be My Eyes, OpenScape, Google Lookout and some other apps, then the Celeste glasses will be just as good as the Envision glasses. Can you please try and find out if OpenScape will be coming to Android? If not, then I hope that Android could develop their own version of OpenScape. 
Regarding blind and visually impaired using Narrator, I have been using Narrator for several years and think it is just as good as NVDA, but probably Narrator is not as powerful as JAWS because of the cost for JAWS. I feel if Narrator could introduce scripts onto Narrator, then Narrator could maybe become just as powerful as JAWS in the future. Keep up the good work. All of the tech news information and products that you talk and discuss about. Kind regards, Alan from Hereford. Thanks, Alan. Um, so quite a bit to pick up on there. And yes. uh, I, I just want to pick up on, on that point there about uh, the uh, Envision glasses. So it's important to be aware that the Envision glasses are not Envision made. It, they are Google Glass. So the actual design is down to Google. It's important to say that, just so people understand that it's essentially a product that Envision bought in to put their product on to. So mm. that, and that would be the case with Celeste glasses as well. So when Celeste comes along, uh, and we're hoping to get Celeste on the show soon, they've reached out, they've been in touch, and they will be coming on the show very soon. So you know, I would suggest if you have questions for them, you might want to get them in now, uh, because uh, we can certainly put those questions to Celeste. Q inbox uh, explosion. <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, <laughs> make sure there's more room in there. Let's clear out some of the. Yeah, yeah. Um, clear out all the Sean emails. That would be a Stop good start. It. Um, it was very balanced of you, Stephen, and very fair of you. But I got to say, I totally agree. They just feel so strange. They're like wireframe glasses on one side and big, thick plastic arm on the other. Yeah. They do feel really, really strange. Um, I don't know why. They wouldn't have made it just like a, a pair of sunglasses, to be honest. But I, I, I do get it. You can take that wireframe, basically that left arm. No, sorry. The right arm, which is basically the thing with all the computing power in it. Leg. Can be detached. Arm. Can be detached and you can place a, a different frame onto it, can't you? So, Well, I've done that, is- that although not successfully, I will add. Um, <laughs> myself, me and my Envision glasses are going to be going a little walk to the optician to try and fix my mess. Uh, you've broken them already. No, I haven't broken them, but I, I have, I'm trying to fit these sunglass um, lenses into them. And what they've done is they've sent me the lenses, but I have no clue as to how to get the lenses into the glasses. Pop off. Yes, and that's I right. I don't want to start mucking around with it because everything's pretty expensive. So it is. I don't really exactly want to start right. mucking around with it, you know? But yeah, I totally agree, um, Alan. I totally agree. As for OpenScape coming to Android, uh, that's a great question. I think the answer is probably not. But I would like to put it out there to people, and I know we do have our Android listeners, believe it or not, uh, we do have our Android listeners, and I wonder if there's anything equivalent already out there. I don't know if there is. Um, On no, Android, the, I mean. Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. I mean, apart from... No, there isn't. Well, no, I can't think of anything either. I'm sure there must be something close to it, surely. Is Lazarillo on Android? I believe so. I think it is, yeah. Well, um, Good Maps, is it on Android? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Again, don't Good know. Maps over here in the UK doesn't... Yeah, doesn't, it's tricky. It's, yeah, it's yeah, like country-specific to some degree. Very but is it this so. Lazarillo thing, right? Yes. I, I went, opened this up the other day trying to work out my... I was trying to t- work out the time for a local bus, uh, as opposed to, you know, some other bus. And... Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, I'd like to do a bus leaving Azerbaijan tomorrow at 10 a.m. Yes. Um, no, I, I was looking for information about a bus and uh, I, I could bus. not fit a local bus. And I could not figure out what on earth was going on in this app. I, I, it seemed as if it was telling me there was another version of the app. Although I don't think that was the case. It was either telling me there was a new version of it or I couldn't work out anyway how to get any information about it. Well, you do this seem to be 
site on the street. No, no, I was in the house. I was trying to set up. Oh, beforehand. right. Well, you should have took your time and figured it out. What's the matter with you? Yeah, I did. But you know me, I take t- all of ten <laughs> seconds and then give up. Honestly, I don't know. Since Voice Vista and OpenScape came out, I've gone back to those. I haven't used Lazarillo in the longest time, although it was fine back then. But I just think um, Soundscape works better. Um, there was but a new not voice for buses though. Well, who takes a bus? I mean, what's the matter with you? Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot um, since you've become an international radio star, <laughs> the buses are beneath you. They're beneath, they're always beneath me. I can't use a bus. They're terrible. Um, sorry, you see, the, yes. you know the trick with buses? Move to an area where there's only one. You can't really go wrong after that. Fair enough. Look, I find the trick with buses is there's usually a, a local-to-you app, for, especially over here in the UK. Uh, it, it's, it's very much, you know, there's different bus companies with different yeah. apps so um there are a few accessible ones but um it's best to look where you are see if there's something local to the bus company that you know um i don't know about actually support inside i use google maps i mean that's pretty good for stuff like yeah, it's always yeah, got the I tram times that. and yeah. bus times in there if ever i you know i'm slumming it and use a bus <gasps> but um uh, shocking <laughs> what was i saying oh yeah there was a new update released recently yesterday day before for voice vista which does support the import and export of markers um because someone did mention this before and i couldn't find it anywhere i went into soundscape thinking oh, i must be able to export my um my you know the set audio markers could i find it i have no idea i went through settings i went through the markers uh, area couldn't find how to export yeah, at all. just so taking I'm, your time and, you know, f- figured it out. You know? I, what I'm saying, though, mm-hmm. Stephen, is I do not believe it was there. I will check oh, it out, yep, though, yep, all right? Mm-hmm. I'm just yep, saying. Yep, I, yep. I did notice in the, in the update <laughs> notes for Voice Vista, all right, stop, that uh, <laughs> it, did, it did mention the support for importing and exporting of markers. So I'm going to look in how to d- actually do that. Unless anyone else knows, then let us know. Thank you. Right, stick around. We have got Colin Hughes uh, joining us next. Uh, I actually spoke to him yesterday, uh, so we're going to be playing that conversation in a really interesting chat about the state of accessibility and how Colin Hughes is uh, making it better, making it a better place for all of us, quite frankly, with his advocacy. That coming up next on Double Tap. This is Double Tap from AMI-audio. Email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call us, 877-803-4567. And find us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air. And now on Mastodon at Double Tap. Now, Colin Hughes is an advocate for all of us as disabled people. He's disabled himself. He has muscular dystrophy, and uh, he has been working with Apple for a long time to improve Siri and, in particular, dictation and also voice control as well, features that he really benefits from. Well, one particular area of Siri that has uh, been a pain for him and, indeed, for all of us as well as blind people, I'm sure, is the classic you-need-to-unlock-your-iPhone-first message that comes up when, for example, your iPhone's in your bag and you've got your AirPods in. Maybe you want to make a call or maybe you want to respond to a text or even send a text message. Well, that can be really irritating. Well, this is something that Colin has been working with Apple on and advocating for change on for some time. And finally, he got some success. And I'm so pleased to say that Colin joined me yesterday to talk me through some of the problems the challenges and the solutions he managed to find with Apple. This is something I've been lobbying Apple for for several years. And it stemmed from a frustration I have that in many situations, I can't pick up my iPhone, open the screen to 
look at messages. So I'm almost 100% reliant on Siri to access things on the iPhone. And the advent of Siri has been absolutely you know, liberating, fantastic for people like me. But one frustration that often came up against was this reply that Siri would often say, you need to unlock your iPhone first. Every time you ask the assistant for your latest messages, your latest calendar events, and it was just incredibly frustrating. I had this fear that Apple would be very worried about security and privacy. But I didn't think there would be a solution anytime soon. However, I kept tripping away, lobbying, campaigning, and things came into sharper focus when a couple of years ago, the Apple introduced announced notifications where Siri can read out your messages in your AirPods. I also found that incredibly liberating, but it had one frustration. If you missed a message, say you were doing something else or replying to a message, the other message that comes in while you're doing something else remains uh, inaccessible because if you missed it and you asked Siri to read it to you two minutes later, it won't. It said you need to unlock your iPhone first. So the development of announced notifications sort of accelerated by lobbying and campaigning on this issue. And it is a real issue for many people, right? I mean, I know myself, I use a Bluetooth keyboard with my smartphone and I am also out and about a lot, as many of us are, using AirPods and we have our phones in our pockets. And I, it's interesting because this is an issue which in some ways might come across as an accessibility issue or a benefit that will have a huge benefit to us disabled people. But actually, the reality is this must be an issue for many people who just cannot make a call, a simple call with their smartphone using their AirPods. Yes, I mean, sometimes I've had motorcyclists comment on this uh, situation and say, this will be great for me. So, yeah, it's, it's very, uh, it's a very uh, common issue and the solution will benefit everyone, which gives me you know, a great sense of pleasure. And you're at the heart of this because you've been lobbying for this for a long time. You've been in communication with Apple for a long time. How does it feel for you? Because this isn't the first time you've had a success with Apple in this way. How does it feel when it happens? Do you still get that buzz? I get a real buzz out of it because a lot of the things I have been campaigning for um, are issues that start with my personal disability but also a gut feeling that they will benefit everyone. And it is quite a, a good feeling to know that you're making changes 
from one of the most popular smartphones in the world, handled by literally, you know, millions or billions of people every day. I get the impression it's all in the approach, Colin. I think there's a lot of us in the community who have a view on Siri or whatever kind of accessibility tool we use, be it high contrast or larger dynamic type or whether a voiceover or voice control, all the different options out there. There are many of us using different functions, some of them together. We use multiple accessibility features and we come up with challenges. But it's when we come across a a problem that when we connect with the company, in this case, Apple, it's it's all about the approach, isn't it? The way that we communicate with the company. How, what is your approach? Do you go in all guns blazing or do you say, actually, let's have a conversation about this? I go in um, really clearly. I think you need to explain the issue as clearly as you possibly can and also point out the not only the personal issue that affects you, but highlight the mainstream potential of a fix. I think that's also important. And in voice, I've always had a gut feeling that voice is going to be popular, is popular with people. And so it's quite an easy ask. Because I think Apple knows that people do like using voice for various things. It's becoming a lot more common. And I think that does make it easier for my lobbying. I'm seeing a growing, maybe discontent is the right word, in the community, in particular in the blind community at the moment. This is what I'm seeing. is a number of people who are saying we shouldn't be saying that accessibility is for all. We should be saying that accessibility is for people who are disabled. We shouldn't be uh, almost having to justify it so that you know it, it makes it available to everyone. Therefore, it's justifiable that it should be uh, you know fixed or or you know created for us. Uh, where do you sit on this? Because this is a bit of a growing uh, debate in our community, and I guess it's because accessibility as as a, a field, as a category, as a, whatever you want to call it, is maturing. I do get that point. I really do. But at the end of the day, Apple is a business. It's not a a public service. It's got to make money. And I think you do need to make the case for the the wider potential um, of these accessibility changes. Because, you know, at the end of the day, they they cost money to implement. that's how, I, that's, where, that's how I see it. And, you know, I think it's all these unintended consequences as well that come out of this. So I saw a video the other day of someone from CNET who was demonstrating how to use voice control in order to be able to move through the various TikTok videos that she was watching. She wanted to just easily be, you know, eating a pot noodle and swiping to the next TikTok video. And she set up a, a custom action in voice control to achieve that. I mean, that's brilliant, isn't it? I saw that. That was fantastic. And I just love inclusivity. I, I think it's you know, the more inclusive that techno companies can be that make, you know, technologies that help you know, a broad spectrum of people, 
the better as far as I'm concerned. So things I've managed to get over the line, the more people that can benefit from it, the better. Everybody can be disabled at some point in their lives. So I think that's why inclusivity is really important. Now, another feature of iOS 17 that is, uh, and certainly did gather a lot of interest from the mainstream tech media, was personal voice, the ability to recreate your voice. And I saw you tweeting about this as well. Is this something that's personal to you as well? Does this mean something to you that you would benefit from this yourself? What fascinated me about personal voice is, yes, in the future, I might leave it because of my disability, by my speech. And it's reassuring to know that might be, that will be there um, if, when the time comes. But what is more interesting for me is that dictation on Apple devices is really kittenless because it has a data set, a very wide data set of millions of people's voices and it tries to understand individually what different people are saying. But we all speak differently. And what I would like to see is personalised speech recognition. So your device understands your unique voice. And I think that would make speech recognition, voice dictation, a lot more accurate. And what does personal voice on your device actually do? What it does is it learns your voice and your unique way of speaking. So I think the more interesting thing for me is, could personal voice in the future lead to personalised speech recognition on device, which would in turn lead to much more accurate speech recognition for everyone. And this is one of the great uh, paradoxes of, of Apple, isn't it? That in one sense, they're not the most risk-averse company, and yet at the same time, they absolutely are. And... What you're suggesting makes total sense, but it seems to be the kind of thing which Apple would take very, very slow steps to achieve because they'd be worried about frightening people around privacy and indeed going against their own principles on privacy. You know, if you suddenly take that personal voice and use it to power Siri, then that could worry people. That could that could concern people about what's happening with their voice, what's happening with their data. In some respects, Apple's privacy consciousness gets in the way of progress a little bit. I think, I think as far as I know, personal voice is going to be sort of uh, crunched on device rather than in the cloud. And if that is on device, then if it learns your voice on device, then future more accurate speech recognition hopefully will also be on device. So that sort of negates the privacy concerns. 
If someone said on the show recently that smartphone technology is is evolved and, and is is mature, and absolutely that's true. But even so, still today I feel, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I feel that we are seeing in the accessibility arena a number of dots start to appear. And those dots could clearly connect with each other. I mean, you think about AI and you think about, say, a chat GPT type app on the iPhone, and that was able to connect using personal voice to get better and clearer responses, using voice control to control your phone and actually do useful things for you, actually achieve a particular set of, of workflows that you want to achieve, whatever that may be. You, you can start to see how all of this comes together, right? But that's the themes that you and I are drawing out of this conversation. And you're, you're exactly right. It's joining the dots, pulling the threads together, and it gives me a lot of optimism about the way forward. And also think how somewhat basic the technology has been up until now. So I'm really excited about what the next, even three to five years, will bring um, for tech and accessibility. Colin, I love getting your take on things. I also want to thank you for all the advocacy you do because it has a huge impact on all of us. So on behalf of our community who listen here at Double Tap, a huge thank you for the work you do. Keep it coming because uh, it means a lot. And that, that feature, the authentication via your AirPods so that I can now make a call when I'm out and about. I can use my Able One Braille input keyboard or my Bluetooth keyboard and not have to continually pull my phone out. It improves a lot of things, including our ability to do what we want to do safely without the fear of having to pull out our phone in a, a crowded train or, you know, in a crowded place. We can do what we need to do and feel safe as blind people, for example. That is a huge addition to this. And uh, there are many, many, many areas where we can see the benefits from the simple, you know, motorcyclist who just wants to make a call to, you know, us being able to navigate our smartphones in safety and privately. Uh, yeah, all of this makes such a difference. So I want to thank you for that, Colin. Kind words. Thank you, all. Always a pleasure to chat. Great to hear from Colin Hughes there talking to me yesterday here on Double Tap and uh, getting a chance to uh, find out all about his advocacy work. Sean, what a guy, eh? I know, absolutely amazing. For all those times where you feel like you're bashing your head against a brick wall, you know, just keep at it. And the way that he approaches it as well, you know, he's not shouting and screaming, but he's just letting them know, as he said, in a real clear and concise way what the problem is. Yeah, Keep going, keep at it, and eventually something will happen. Really great. It's interesting because I saw on, I think it was Mastodon or maybe on Twitter, I saw some people saying they X. had got in touch, sorry, X these days. Um, <laughs> I saw some people saying that they had gotten contact with Apple through the accessibilityapple.com email address, and they were actually getting not just the standard responses, but actual, okay, this will be being fixed in a future update, or this is the feature update number that this will appear in. Wow. Uh, it's not happening a lot, but it is happening. People are starting to get those kind of responses. Now, we don't know what the, the emails being sent in are, so it could be hugely detailed emails, as I imagine often they get, mm -hmm. and they've decided to respond to that, or they're aware of a fix coming, and they can just immediately say, yep, that's coming as a fix, we know about it. But the fact is that they're starting to, in some ways, talk a little bit more. And I'm just wondering if, I'm not saying it's all to do with us, 
Oh, yes. Uh, but, you know, I, I wonder, right? Because we've been saying this for a long time. Come on, Apple. You need to talk a bit more. You need to tell us about what's going on. We're not suggesting you give away the, the, the crown jewels or the secrets of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. But you, if you could tell us that the problem is at least acknowledged and will be fixed, even better if you can tell us a rough idea of when. Like, for example, there's a feature update coming in a few months. That might be the way to do it. And I wonder if part of this... Because you're always trying to sort of connect the dots. I'm always trying to work out where all these dots are potentially going to link up. With these rapid security response updates they can now do, but if there's a problem, they can immediately fix it now without having to roll out a full feature update. Mm. That might be part of the problem, might be part of the blockage problem, that they can't just roll out a quick fix. It has to be part of a wider, you know, almost like you have to put it in the queue along with everything else, and then that gets added into the final version that gets pushed out to all of us as a feature update as a point one or point two or whatever update instead now with these rapid security updates they could potentially roll out a voiceover fix today if they wanted to you know and that that could be a good thing this is kind of nice going with, well this kind of going where, where talkback or, or at least android has gone although talkback is now a separate but it's part of the android accessibility suite and it's a separate application i think that's a good idea to which be is much better of course if, if voiceover was part of you know, available in the app store and they could just roll out updates. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think the rapid response is exclusively for critical bugs and security issues. But I mean, you're absolutely right in what well, you say. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's down to the individual then, right? I mean, that's down to a lot of interpretation. What is critical? If I can't use my phone as a blind well, that's person, right. yeah, that's but, critical. I mean, yeah, no, I would agree with that. But, I mean, if we're talking about focus jumping and it, it's becoming a real issue, and, uh, for example, in the in the last, um, uh, I think, 16.6 has been released yesterday, uh, iOS 16.6, and I, I believe there's still issues with voiceover just stopping talking for a, a period of time. Um, that would be a critical bug for me, but you're right, it's down to interpretation. But I... I I don't know. I, you know what? That's a totally different conversation to giving us information about, yes, we know this bug. It, it's the acknowledgement that the bug exists. That's yeah. always been an issue as well. It's just, yeah, we can't talk about it. We, we've, we've logged your email or whatever. You know what? Yes, we're aware, and that bug is there, and we are working on it is a step in the right direction for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we go, quick email. Uh, I'm going to see if I can throw this in before we uh, go. Uh, we were talking about Sino the Hino Evil, the movie. Uh, recently, and we were talking about some oh, other movies as well, and kind of joking about the you know the, the humor involved in this, and how sometimes some people find them funny, some people don't. Well, negative Julian's weighed in. Hello, chaps. Having heard you saying how much you like Uh-oh. a couple of blind themed movies, may I point you at a TV comedy that I happened to watch last night? It should be available to anyone who has access to the BBC iPlayer. The program is the twenty first of July episode of Not Going Out. It was about Lee Mack's TV family being out on a birthday steam train ride when a blind man walks into their carriage. What follows is 30 minutes with no blindness preconception or bad taste you cannot say that joke left unsaid. Brilliant and hilarious. I highly recommend it. We so rarely hear this theme hit head on. Congratulations to Lee Mack and the rest of the cast and crew for having the guts to jump headfirst into this politically incorrect swamp. By the way... If they show this on iPlayer in the same format as the original broadcast, you will find yourself benefiting from double audio description. You'll have to watch the programme to know what I mean by that. 
Regards, Negative Julian. <laughs> oh, I've had that experience a couple of times with the iPlayer, funnily enough. Yeah, you get this kind of weird phasing that goes on. It's like they, they, I don't know how they do it or what they've done, but it's weird. Horrible, actually. I think he means there's something in the show itself where uh, some sort of audio description as part of the comedy. I, I I don't know. I always get slightly nervous when there's a blind person on TV. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I always think, I know. Oh, what's this going to be? You know, what, what angle are they taking on this? But... Uh, Lately, there's been a few comedy programs. There was an episode of Friday Night Dinner over here, which is a, a popular or was a popular comedy TV show where they had a, a, a blind piano tuner visit the house. And uh, I thought it was actually done really well. The blind, <laughs> the blind piano tuner just kept saying, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm blind all the time. <laughs> and I thought, you know, what, actually, that's quite brave to handle that. <laughs> I think, you know, it's interesting because that guy, Lee Mack, who's a comedian here in the UK, he has become, I think, good friends with Chris McCausland, who's a blind comedian. Yes. And I wonder if he has influenced some of that. Because, and again, it's that thing of making it come from the perspective of someone who's blind. I also remember a show years ago called Episodes with uh, Matt LeBlanc. And there was a, a blind character in that. And I have to tell you, it was the funniest experience I'd ever seen with someone who was blind in a show because it, it just hit. The, it was just bang on the money. It could not have been more perfect in some ways. It was brilliantly <laughs> like done. You, you will find that there will be someone in our community who will be offended by that portrayal. I can guarantee it. Um, well, the, the, because and that's the problem. Takes... Because, but the, the problem is these are the same people who shout about identity. These are the ones oh, who yeah, tell you even... that, you know, we've got to put our identity first and our identity is the most important thing. But then someone brings it up and no one likes it. So what, which is it? Mm. Yeah. Look, we're out of time. I'm definitely going to check that out anyway. Thank you, Julian. Out here. But uh, we, are, uh, <laughs> we are done for today. Thank you so much for uh, your emails and your messages. Keep them coming. We'll be back with you tomorrow and we'll have lots more to discuss. As always, keep your emails coming and we'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567, or email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.